Live Creative Now, episode 117. Welcome to Live Creative Now with Melissa Dinwiddie, a weekly podcast to inspire you to create your art and share your work, because that's how you will change the world. Hello, I am Melissa Dinwiddie, passion fluorolite artist, happiness catalyst, and creativity instigator, and author of The Creative Sandbox Way, which you can find at an Amazon near you, here to address all your questions about living a full-color creative life. Whether you think of yourself as not artistic, not creative, which is a lie, or you think of yourself as an artist of any kind, or anything in between. No matter how you define yourself, feeding your creative hungers makes you feel more alive. It's how you change your life, and it's how you change the world, because that's how it works. You change your own life, and the world changes for the better. That's how it works. Today, finally, I have the very first listener spotlight. I feel like I've been talking about this for ages. (laughs) And I am so delighted to introduce Live Creative Now listener, Greta Lamosa. Greta sent me the loveliest email a while back, in which she was, well, she was sharing a review that she wrote on iTunes for the podcast. And in that email, sharing her review, she wrote, I've been listening for about a year now. And you have truly given me new reasons to reclaim my soul in art. Thanks again, for doing that thing you do so well. Oh my gosh, that made me feel so amazing. (laughs) People, (laughs) when you think of something think in your head, you know, something, a compliment, something nice about somebody else, tell them, tell them, whisper in their ear, send them an email, write them a thank you note, whatever. It means so much to people. It means so much. Write them a review, whatever. Just do it. God, it means so much to people. Anyway, that's what Greta did. And it was that very email that gave me the idea for doing listener spotlights in the first place. I sent her an email back and I said, Hey, you want to have a conversation with me on the podcast? And she replied with a resounding yes. So that's what I have to share with you today. We we had a conversation. Greta is a jeweler and a silversmith. And as you will hear, she has struggled as so many as many of us have with being surrounded by people who really don't get it, don't get what it means to be an artist, a creator, a creative. And this girl has some stories. And I think you will relate. And if you do, let me know, leave a comment over in the show notes, livecreativenow.com slash 117, because this is episode 117. So With no further ado, have a listen to the inaugural Listener Spotlight. 
with listener Greta Lamosa. Well, I want to ask you, first of all, uh, where are you calling from? So I am in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, which is like right outside of Philadelphia, like 20 minutes away. Oh, cool. I'm actually going to be in Philadelphia for a conference in September. No way. Yes way. Wow. Yeah, public What's speaking the conference. conference? Is it, oh, it is public speaking. Yeah, it's called Heroic. That means I can go see it. Yeah, it's called well, I don't know if it's open open to the public, but you could come to, you could come participate in the conference if you wanted. It's called uh-huh. Heroic Public Speaking Live. So you Heroic could look it up. Speaking live. Yeah, you could look it up at heroicpublicspeaking.com slash live. All right, we'll do it. Wrote it down. Yeah. So that's where you're calling from. And how did you, if you remember, how did you first come across uh, Live Creative Now, the podcast? So I work in a factory type setting. Mm -hmm. So we constantly have vacuum sounds like buzzing in our ears. So it's like, like imagine like 50 vacuums in a room. And that's, that's where I work. And so I was plugging into earphones and listening to music for about a year. (laughs) So like 40 hours a week for a year, just listening to music. And I'm like, man, I am so tired of music. So (laughs) had the iPhone, like who get, whoever gets sick of music, but it's all the time. You just, you just do. So I had the iPhone and I had the podcast app. I'm like, all right, I'm old. I need to start exploring this stuff. Let me poke around. And I had given a speech actually at the university where I graduated from about the kind of work that I'm doing. And I found myself repeating the same phrase over and over and over again to them. Like I was trying to convince them of something, but I was also trying to convince myself of something after I thought about it. It wasn't in the moment that I was thinking this, but afterwards I was like, oh man, I just kept telling them, this is art. This is art. This is art. Like I was hammering it in. And then when I sat back and thought about it, I'm like, dude, this is not art. I mean, you have to be skilled at what I do. You have to know how to navigate sort of creativity, but it's not really art and it's a factory. You know what I mean? Like we're producing a product that's already made. Mm. So I was getting really depressed about that. So when I went onto the podcast app, I literally typed in like art therapy or creative arts. And I was poking around trying to find something that would target you as an artist specifically. And there wasn't much out there. This was probably like a year and a half ago. And I found you. And I think the first episode I listened to was like episode 11 or 12. It was about fear and rejection. And there was something that you said in that podcast. You were, you literally were like, you have to be your own cake. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah, like taste your own cake. And don't <laughs> worry about what, yeah, don't worry about what everybody else is saying about your thing. You have to, you have to just enjoy yourself. Enjoy what it is that you are. And to me, that I, I needed somebody to tell me that so bad. <laughs> like for years, I needed somebody to tell me that. 
because, you know, I went all through college, people telling me, well, yeah, you're very creative. You should try and sell this. And then when I couldn't really sell it, I'm like, can you help me? And they're like, well, maybe you should just get a job. You know, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe it's not good enough. And I'm like, what? That's crazy. Like, <laughs> you know, like five months ago, you were like, yeah, go sell this. This is awesome. And now you're like, well, maybe not. Maybe, maybe I was wrong. So for someone to like actually say, dude, it's okay. Like this is who you are. And if you don't express that, you're, you're going to eat yourself in bad ways. You know, you're just going to like, I don't know, have like a bad taste in your mouth instead of a great taste of like enjoying yourself and who you are. So yeah, I mean, that's how I found it. And then I binged you. I listened to like every episode. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, I had to binge it. I mean, you know, it was, just, it was just too good. It was just too good. And then, um, we started, ta- you started talking about like the manifesto, uh, with like the 10 things mm-hmm. that you have to do for yourself. There is no wrong thing process, all that stuff. And I just felt that artist in me coming back after like 10 years, you know, like, come on, man, you can do this. This is who you are. This is who you were. You didn't go anywhere. You just took like a vacation from it. Now come back. Come visit us again. <laughs> it was kind of like that. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> that is so the, great. The, yeah. The rejection thing that was really, I mean, I think that every artist needs to hear that, that, you know, yeah. the rejection is, it's going to happen. There are going to be people who reject you, who, who, who look at yourself and say, maybe that's not good enough, or maybe you could do it in another way, but you have to just feel it in yourself to know like, okay, well, that's good advice. This is how I did it this time. And it's out of me. You know, I didn't keep it inside yes. out there in the world now. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> how many times, how many times did I keep it inside? Oh right. my God. How many years? And you got to remember too, that the longer you keep all that stuff inside, the more angry I think you get kind of at yourself. You know, you get angry yeah. at yourself or you start thinking like, who the heck am I really? Or what am I hiding from? Or why am I hiding from this? And so if you don't let that expression out, then you just keep this same sense of bad self. You start to create a bad sense of self and that destroys everything. Then there's oh, opportunities yeah. right in front of your face that you can't even see because you're so mad at yourself, you know, and it's not, it's all subconscious, but it's still yeah. there. Oh, totally. So, yeah. I mean, I was mad at every, I was mad at everybody. It was like everybody else's fault. But it was really just the way, yeah, it's so much easier, right? But it was really just the way I was taking the rejection. I could have used it as a tool and I used it as an enemy. Oh, God, yes. So, yeah, for that to be the first episode, I was like, Melissa, are you in my head? Who are you and where did you come from and how did you get in there? (laughs) Because I lived through it. (laughs) Yeah. And it was, I mean, that was another thing. It's so awesome to hear that you are not alone. Cause I think again, like when you, there's not, there's not always so many people to collaborate with, you know, and maybe what your kind of art or your craft is kind of specialized and you do get isolated in it because it's all coming from you. Um, so to hear other people say, Hey, you know, I make, uh, I don't know. I make picture frames and they're very creative picture frames, but I don't know who else makes picture frames. So maybe this is stupid. 
Yeah. But then to hear another artist just say, dude, it doesn't matter what you make. The fact is that you're making something and there are other people out there who want to do that. And you're going to find that person who likes really cool picture frames. But, exactly. but you don't have to do it for that person. You're doing it for you. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> there's, there's the babble. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we need that. We need that mirror. Yes. So badly. Yes. I need it. I need it just as much as anybody else does. I mean, I started like everything that I put out there in the world. I do it for me just as much as I do it for anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And you know, we're all, we're also driven for income. You know what I mean? I think a lot of artists are like, well, if I'm not making money, I think I wrote that in the review. If I'm not making physical money, cash dollars for this, then it's not, it's not payment. There's no payment, but you got to remember what you're paying yourself in, in doing it. You're paying like your own soul, your own need. Right. Like don't, don't, you're the only one who lives in your body. You're number one. Everybody else is on the outside. You might be taking care of them and thinking that they're number one, but first things first, it starts with you. You got to let all that other stuff go and just make it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the conclusion that I have come to recently, especially after my open studio experience where mm-hmm. <laughs> I realized what a conflicted relationship I have with art and commerce. Yeah, and that for, for right now, I, and, and I, I mean, I came to this like very clear, I thought conclusion that I'm making my art for me. Mm-hmm. But it what but it re- really was pretty hazy still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I had to get even more clear about it that that has to be I mean we, we have to make our art for ourselves first. And yeah. I had to I had to get even more clear about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. And and then too, I think part of that fear is when you put it out there for you put it out there for yourself and then you say okay, I'm going to put this out here for somebody else to see it. But mm-hmm. man, if they don't like it, it's like saying they don't like me. But right. it's really not. It has nothing to do with that. And you have to remember too, like, I mean, there are some people who who might look at work, you know, a specific painter or, you know, whatever you're looking at in terms of art. Let's just say a painter. Like, you know, somebody looks at Van Gogh and they're like, this guy's awful. What was he thinking? Well, people were telling him that then, but mm-hmm. it still has value now. So it's all about perspective. I mean, there might be 10 people who see your work. Say you have a, you're, you're trying to apply for like a grant or something. You have 10 people on a jury who are going to look at your work, you know, and they can only push through five finalists. They have a thousand pieces of art. They have to work really hard to narrow that down to five. And maybe one person out of those 10 people remembers your work specifically and says it doesn't apply to this, but I could see how this work would apply to that. Mm-hmm. Like they were feeling you that day. They were feeling visually connected, which is awesome. But at the same time, if you don't get past your need for the commerce, right? If you don't say in your head, this isn't about what the customer wants. This is about what my body or my soul or whatever inner drive needs to put out. If you don't put that out, or if you're only thinking customer, 
then you, your own vision gets cloudy and you can't connect with yourself visually exactly. you know, or creatively. You get cloudy. Yeah, it does. It gets so muddy. That but. is why I am such a f- strong believer in the absolute necessity of having sacred creative sandbox time absolutely yeah. sacred creative sandbox time and like mental mm-hmm. space and f- like physical yeah. space if if you're able to create yeah. that that mm-hmm. is untouchable so yeah. that you e- even if you decide whoever's listening out there if you decide that you it's very important to you to make your living from your creative thing and you know more power to you if you want to do that that's great i did that for a number mm-hmm. of years and that can be a fantastic choice like great yeah. if you want to do that fantastic and if it if works you, even better. <laughs> it, yeah, and if it works even better, that's that's great. There's nothing wrong with that choice. However, yeah. if you make that choice, it is even more, if anything, even more essential that you carve out absolutely sacred creative sandbox time every single day yeah. where you are creating completely completely disconnected from money Mm -hmm. from pleasing anybody else but Mm -hmm. your creative spirit and exploration and play and following the creative sandbox way guideposts because if you do not have that sacred like it has to be a bubble where commerce does not enter Mm -hmm. if you do not have that then it gets very cloudy Mm -hmm. and you will, I guarantee it, (laughs) you will get burned out and it will get very messy very quickly and it gets very ugly and you will get sucked dry. And that is what happened to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You start getting into, and I think that's where that can comparison trap comes into play. Yeah. you're, You're comparing what's coming out of you creatively to what somebody might want. Like that's totally those things. Like, you know, this is what I'm doing, but compared to what they might pay for, I don't know, this is substandard or, and then you start putting all these excuses in as to why it's not good enough and why you're not going to do it again. Cause you, you almost tell yourself, you talk yourself out of it. You know, you totally talk yourself out of it. You're like, well, this isn't worth anything. And this made me feel bad. Well, it's not the thing that made you feel bad. It's the way you wrapped your mind around that. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, some people like want to meditate, you know, meditation, people do meditations. And I mean, that's cool. Personally, I can't, when I feel like, okay, I need to meditate. I literally will feel better if I sit there for like maybe five minutes and stare off into space and then start doing something creative for 15 or 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, like paint, mixed colors. Uh, I'm a jeweler, so I do metalsmithing. I, I, I go play with fire and connectors and putting tubes into wires and, you know, burning up sterling silver and stuff like that. Like that is my meditative space. Mm-hmm. So and the more, and I think the again, it's it is just about creating time and creating space. And if you can put yourself in that vibe that it's actually like a meditative thing, this is for you. It's for nobody else. It flows. 
you get into that flow state. It just yeah. goes so much smoother. There's no resistance. There's no, there's nothing there to compare it to. You're just doing what feels natural. What's coming out. Yeah. yeah. The challenge is to let ourselves do that. You know, exactly what you said, do, mm-hmm. <laughs> do what comes naturally because yeah. we learn to not do that. Mm-hmm. We've been oh, programmed to not mm-hmm. do that yeah. by, you know, the comparison trap and perfectionism and mm-hmm. that's programming. Yeah. What's comes, what really comes naturally to us is what we did when we were two and three years old. Yeah. But we've forgotten how to, how to do that. And the, my creative sandbox way guideposts are all about peeling off the layers of programming to help you get back to being in that three-year-old mindset again. Yeah. 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 I mean, I had, I actually have a five-year-old and I think that she, she has definitely turned me back to remembering those things. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't around kids. I didn't, I didn't know I wanted to have a child. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we had a child and I'm like, wow, you know, this is really cool. I remember being just like this. <laughs> and like, you know, right now I'm in my, in my room and I can see she made a collage and there's literally like a rubber eraser glued to a piece of paper with like other pieces of same paper all glued together in different shapes. But uh, you know, like she did, she's not thinking anything about that eraser that eraser is not an eraser anymore that eraser is now part of a work of art it's a collage you know (laughs) and it felt great for her to make it and give it to me and so if I behave in a way that I'm restricting myself then I'm just gonna set her up for that same kind of rejection and I don't like the way it feels when it happens to me so I should you know Go hang out with some kids. Maybe you got to hang out with some little kids. Oh, yeah. See what they're doing. And it's crazy. It changes your whole perspective on it. And, yeah, I mean, like I said, I went to college. I remember I went to college for education. I was going to do art education. And the art education teacher in a in a college institution, you know, he, he said, okay, if you're going to be a teacher, your burnout's going to be in a year. And after a year, you're going to lose all your passion for teaching. And I was like, what? Oh my God. That's really positive. (laughs) Yeah. Why would you say that? And now I'm dropping this major. Thank you. Like, yeah, it was crazy. So if if you think it happens just in art that people are rejected and sort of transformed into whatever they think you should be, it is another other realms but then I actually went into an English class then the following year which I was like okay no more education I'm just going to do art and then I'll figure it out I don't know what I'm going to do with it I was in an English class being honors level English in high school I go into this English class and the teacher literally asked us who in here is an art major and there were two of us it was me and this guy I don't even remember his name we raised our hands and he said, the English teacher said, look around this room. I want you guys to remember these two because you will see them again. They are going to be your waiters someday. <gasps> and I was like, what? Oh <laughs> my 
God. It's crazy. But those two times, you know, they might have been really small to somebody, you know. But I remembered those. And and when I would produce work, and I mean, again, being a silversmith, it's expensive. It's not like the cheapest thing that you can get into. I've been doing it since 2005, really, on and off. So I have a lot of materials already. But in the beginning, it was expensive. And I was spending a lot of money. And I was just out of college. And, you know, my husband was my boyfriend then. And he's like, well, I want to get married and have a house and have a family and you're spending too much money. And the support really wasn't there, you know, to keep doing it or to try and do it in different ways. It was like, nobody around me is an artist. They don't understand. It's They don't get it. And they wanted to be supportive, but they just didn't have the same drive. So I think that we keep those memories and it, it really can mess with you again. Yeah. You know, you could be sitting there making a painting and you're like, Oh man, if I don't sell this, I'm going to be a waiter and they're all going to remember that teacher and then they're <laughs> going to remember me. And it starts, you start getting out of control with it. So to be able to come back to the sandbox manifestos, you know, you can always, when you feel yourself start reeling like those bad gremlins in your head, just running that track, and just pulling you down, just stop, take a breath, and read one manifesto. Yeah. And then just let that be your focus. Like, there is no wrong. There is no wrong. There is no wrong as you're doing it. So, I mean, yeah, it's been extremely helpful. I mean, crazy helpful. You're, you're giving people an excuse. Not an excuse, but you're giving the people to, uh, people a reason to, to continue or to come back and to feel okay about that. This is a compassionate thing. This is a nice thing for you to do for yourself. Just do it. It's easy. If you have it and you do it. Oh my God. That is, you could not have said that more beautifully. It's <laughs> <laughs> some good stuff. <laughs> Greta, you are so wonderful. I just, this is so great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This is cool. I love it. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So do you have a, a website or anything where people can see your work? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of technically stupid, but um, <laughs> you can go on to, uh, if you have Instagram. Yeah. So that's probably, yeah, that's probably the best place to find me. And I'm under Greta Losa. So it's G-R-E-T-T-A-L-O-S-A. Awesome. I will put that in yeah. the show notes too. So people and I think can you can find me there to it. Yep. Great. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Well, you're the perfect person to kick off the listener spotlight. Cool. So yeah, thank you <laughs> so much. Yes. Thanks again. Yeah. You're the best. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll hear from you. I'll hear your show. Thank you so much for your time. You just so rock. Keep rocking it. <laughs> Keep showing up. And uh, I will let you know when this goes live. Cool. All right. Thanks, Greta. All right. Thanks for reaching out. You bet. All right. Bye. All right. That was my conversation with Greta Lamosa. And now it is time for this week's Something Cool. This week's Something Cool is a website. It is 
a really hysterical website that has been the subject of some controversy lately called McMansion Hell. McMansion Hell is a biweekly blog by a young woman named Kate Wagner that basically roasts <laughs> these McMansions, you know, these really ugly, ginormous houses. <laughs> at this while at the same time teaching about architecture and design. And she launched it in July of 2016. And it has been featured by the Huffington Post and Slate and Business Insider and Paper Magazine. And it's basically gone crazy, mad, viral. And Kate is apparently this, I think she's like 23 years old. She's a graduate student in acoustics. And she uh, is also just like super, super well informed in architecture and urbanism and sociology and design. She's super smart. And years ago, I read a book called From Our House to Bauhaus by I think it was Thomas Wolfe, that <laughs> really made me understand why I hated these uh, boxy Bauhaus um, buildings, homes and apartment buildings and uh, office buildings. I didn't know they were called Bauhaus. I didn't know anything about Bauhaus. But it made me really basically despise Bauhaus architecture <laughs> ever since. And uh, understand a little bit about kind of the sociology of um, architecture and design. And so McMansion Hell kind of plugs into that it is hysterical. She just does these teardowns. And what she has done is she takes the photos from Zillow, the um, real estate website of these McMansions, and then she adds commentary on the photos and above and below the photos. <laughs> and so she basically does like these photo essays. And they are whip smart and hysterical, totally and utterly hysterical. And she got sued not long ago, like a few weeks ago or something, and almost had to take her site down. But then uh, the, the, the lawsuit ended up being dropped. Anyway, it was this big, huge, massive controversy. And um, anyway, you can look it all up if you're interested in those kinds of things. And you can also read her blog and find all about it there. But McMansion Hell is highly, highly entertaining and also a source of great, uh, a lot of just really fascinating information because this woman, Kate Wagner, is super, super smart. So if you're into that kind of thing, check out McMansion Hell, McMansionHell.com. It's really entertaining. So that is this week's something cool. And with that, that is it. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Greta Lamosa. Let me know if you resonated. You can leave your comments over at livecreativenow.com slash 117. And thank you so much for joining me today. If you are getting value out of this podcast, as always, share it with a friend 
And don't forget to hop on over to iTunes or the Apple podcast app, which may be where you're listening to it right now, perhaps. And I would so appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review because that is how other people find the show. And if you would like to be considered for the listener spotlight, if you'd like to have a conversation with me, just like Greta did, leave that review and send me an email with the content of the review and let me know specifically how the podcast has made a difference in your life. That's how you apply to be, to have, uh, be, you know, featured in a listener spotlight yourself. It's as simple as that. That is it. Until next time, I hope you have a fantastic week. Thanks again for joining me. And go get creating. Subscribe at livecreativenow.com.